Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love has no pride. Love does not do the wrong thing. Love never thinks of itself. That's so hard. Love does not get angry. Love does not remember the suffering that comes from being hurt by someone. Love is not happy with sin. Love is happy with the truth. Love takes everything that comes without giving up. What is love? That's a question we began to explore last week in 1 John chapter 4. We're in our series, Building on the Basics, and we're so glad you've joined us today. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God. Let me read that again. The one who abides in love abides in God, and God, say it, abides in Him. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As Pastor Clay pointed out in last week's message, the Apostle John uses the word love 29 times in 15 verses. Throughout this letter, John has emphasized the importance of love, but nowhere is he more detailed on the subject of love than here in chapter 4. Yes, he wrote it 2,000 years ago, and he meant it for those people who were struggling to figure out what love is and how they're supposed to love each other. But that message translates all the way through the ages right down to this generation. Pastor Clay is continuing the discussion on love this week, exploring the idea of what happens to us when God's love is in us and what should come out of us as a result. This is an important message for the body of Christ for how we interact with each other and the influence our love can have on the world. Now here's Pastor Clay. We are talking about love. We've been talking about love uh, in in uh, we've been talking about truth a lot. We said at the beginning of First John that those that you, that you would see in First John that those. Uh, two ideas are inseparable to what it is to love and what it is to love and truth and how truth and love are these two inseparable uh, ideas. Last week we plunged into uh, the, really the, the middle part of chapter 4 and this idea of agape love, that idea, that kind of love that God loves us with and that kind of love He's calling us to, right? If you were here, do you remember that? If you weren't here, go back and listen to that message. I, I think you'd be blessed by it. It's, if, if you've already tried, I think we're, we had some technical problems this week, and it may not be up yet, but it will be up uh, shortly, hopefully. So um, while you're sitting there and you get hot and you're fanning, you're fanning yourself to stay cool, if you think about it, if you, if you agape love somebody that's near you, we'll just reach over and fan them uh, too, and maybe they'll do the same for you. I don't know. They might do the same for you. So we're talking about this idea of agape love, what it is, what it looks like, and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and it's found in 1 John chapter 4. If you've got a Bible with you and whatever hard copy, electronic version, uh, your iPad, your phone, whatever the case may be, open it to 1 John chapter 4 as we're continuing this idea of love. We're moving towards the end of uh, John's first letter. And, uh, and man, is he hammering this, this idea of love home. Do you remember I said last week, I think it's 29 times in 15 verses, he um, uses the word love in some form, shape, or, or fashion. He's trying to say something to us that, that obviously is, is important to him. It's, it's on his heart, and he's trying to communicate it. And remember, he's trying to communicate it to all of us. Yes, he wrote it 2,000 years ago, and he meant it for those people who were struggling to figure out what love is and how they're supposed to love each other. Uh, but, but that message translates all the way through the ages right down to, to this generation. And how do we love each other? How do you love that person on the other side of the auditorium that you don't even know maybe very well? How do you agape love them? 
we're going to get into some of that uh, this morning. First John uh, chapter 4, it's really it's verses 7 through 21. And uh, just real briefly, just to, to kind of highlight what we talked about last week, uh, we started with one overarching idea, which is carrying through today as well. But it's just because someone says they love doesn't mean they love someone. That's what we're discovering as we're reading that text. That as God defines love, just because someone says they love doesn't mean they love someone. Have, have y'all discovered that in your life? Have you maybe discovered somebody that, that, that said they loved you or acted like they loved you or that sort of thing, but then you're finding out that, or you discovered in some way that that's just because they said it doesn't mean that they really did. Not the way God explains it. And we started with, uh, with this idea under that main idea last week. And we said that love is non-negotiable. It simply is non-negotiable for the follower of Jesus Christ. In verse 7 and 8 of 1 John chapter 4, uh, he said this. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God, for, why? God is love. That's the very reason. We had a couple of ideas under this idea, and one is, is just this, this establishing this fact that ultimately love comes from God, that it's, it's not something that, that we created, it's not something that mankind made up, it's not something the poets uh, came up with or anything else like that, that ultimately love comes from God. And, and if we are supposed to be part of the family of God, then it would make sense that that love ought, ought to be a part of my life. And then we also said that love points to God. There in verse 8, he gets into that idea of, of it being a reflection and it's evidence of my relationship with God by the way I'm able to love. We'll talk, that'll come up again uh, this morning. But, but he says it, it's, it's just, it's non-negotiable. There's no escape clause. There's no fine print. For followers of Jesus Christ, we are, as we'll see this morning, we are commanded to love. Okay, uh, here, here, was, here was the second idea uh, that we said. Love is focusing on the other person. That we began to define it last week. What is, okay, what is this idea? And we walked through some of the Greek terms. And, uh, but, so what is agape? What is God kind of love? What does that look like? Well, John says that it focuses on the, on the other person. Verse uh, 9, he says, uh, but, but by this, the love of God was manifested in us. It was, it was made known as revealed in us. This is how we saw it. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, uh, the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love uh, one another in, in that same way. And so it focuses on the other person. How does it focus on the other person? It focuses on the other person by being beneficial to the other person. That's exactly what, what John said in verse 9. By this, the love of God was, was manifest in us, that God sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world. Why? Say it. Why? So that we might live through him. It was, it was to our benefit that God loved us. You understand? It was to, it's that, that's what agape love does. It's beneficial to the other person. We all here last week? Y'all remember that stuff? It's beneficial to the other person. You remember the second part of it? It's not based, I don't know how exactly how I say it. It's not based on the other person's performance. In verse 10, isn't that what it said? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. In other words, God didn't lo- choose to love us because we were so loving to him. God didn't choose to love us because we were such godly people, because we desired to, to love him or we desired to serve him or we had earned his love in some way. No, no, not at all. And y'all know that theologically. 
You know that we can't, we don't earn our salvation and our relationship with God in any way. And so John's saying that's what agape love looks like. It's not based on what the other person does or doesn't do for you. It's simply a choice that God made. And then that powerful statement there in verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, if God loved us in that way, we should love each other in the same way, right? Is that what he says? Am I, am, I, am I exaggerating the text or is that what it says? Okay, so that was, that's where we got to last week and then we made some, some kind of practical application. Uh, by the way, if you were here last week, uh, le- uh, uh, we have not intentionally left the air conditioning off in an attempt to uh, cause you to come up with the money to buy the, the building that we said was for sale down the street. That's not a ploy. It, it really is still broken. So just want y'all to... Uh, to know that. All right. So here's the, let's start with the new one uh, today. Here's the next idea. Love is changing my person. Can y'all say that out loud? Love is changing my person. Let's read it uh, starting in verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We've come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. John says, we don't believe in God because we see him with our physical eyes. That's that's not how God operates. That's not why we believe in God. No, we believe in God based on the evidence that we have of God. We believe in God based on the empirical evidence that we have, uh, that we see of God working in the world, working in his creation. And specifically, in the context of 1 John chapter 4, we believe in God based on the work we see him doing in us. This work that we see operating in our lives, this agape love that that we've been introduced to when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, begins to have its effect on us. It begins to to change us. Does that make sense? I have a little ditty. I forget exactly how I put it. If I have experienced his love personally, his love is changing my person. It just begins to have its effect. And And it as we'll talk about here, it becomes evidence uh, that this love is actually in my life by how it begins to change me and what it begins to do in my life. It's, it's changing my person. Does that make sense? And it's changing my person, he says, in really in at least three ways. Let's look at it. First, um, go ahead, Travis. Oh, I, I, I'm skipping all that, aren't I? I better, I better get that in. Um, yeah, let me say that. In 1 John 13, he makes this reference to the Spirit uh, in us, that, that, that that's part of this evidence. Uh, I said this last week, right? I, I know I said this last week, but 
this agape love, and we spent a lot of time defining it, didn't we? If you were here, we spent a lot of time defining what this agape love looks like. And and I don't think anybody would argue about this. It's hard. It's hard, is it not? It's hard to agape love somebody because as we just reviewed and as we talked about so extensively last week, it's not based on the other person. Now listen, I don't know about you. I, I don't know how you were, but before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior... I sure, that, that, I, I, that's exactly how I loved. I loved, as we talked about last week, based on what I knew about a person, what I liked about a person, what a person did for me, what a person didn't do to me, uh, what they, how they felt about me. That's how I, that's how I loved, right? And that is how the vast majority of the world loves, based on what they know about the other person, based on what the other person has done for them or to them or the feelings they have for them. That's how the world loves. Clearly, God is calling us to a radical kind of love that's different from that. And so it's hard. And I would say it's impossible were it not for, as John says in verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. That it's the spirit of God who comes into me. I understand that's in a sense kind of a mysterious thing what, that, what all that means. But, but at least part of what it means is then he empowers me to actually love in a way that, that Clay would not normally love you or this person that did that to me or that or what, if, it, if it were not for that love. And three times uh, in, there in the passage, in verse 12, you heard it. And then again in verse 17 and then again in verse 18, he uses the word perfected. He says this agape kind of love is perfected. In us. Did you, do you remember hearing that, seeing that? Teleu in the Greek, it literally means to make perfected, to bring to completion, to finish, to accomplish. This agape love is perfected. It was sometimes, the, the word is, was sometimes uh, used in describing uh, the completion of a, of a task. It was sometimes used uh, to describe a, a victory in a, in a battle that had been won, a campaign that had been accomplished or won. It was sometimes used biologically or botanically to describe when uh, fruit was brought to its maturity, which is interesting uh, since love is part of the, the, the aspect or the attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5. But the bottom line is this. You and I are called to love in a radical way from the way the world usually loves. And as I said a moment ago, got a little off track, but I said a moment ago, to love, that love, John describes it in at least three ways, it's going to look like this. The first one is this, love makes me unashamed of Christ. That's one of the things love does. Love makes me unashamed of Christ. That's what I want you to understand. Let's read it, um, picking it up in verse 14. And we have beheld, listen to this, and we have beheld, we've, and bear witness, we, we've experienced this in our life. Now, John literally had, had seen him. We have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Does that sound familiar? Y'all have heard that before, right? He's talked about that before in 1 John. John's used it before as a theological test for determining whether, whether something you're hearing, something you're reading, that, that's, a way that you can, that's one of the ways that you can test to gauge whether that's actually accurate, whether it's actually true. Right? He said that before. But here, in the context of 1 John chapter 4, he uses it in regards to love. And he he says that if if you love, if you agape love, if you understand this, this, there's no problem proclaiming that Christ is God and that you have this relationship with him. That that you're unashamed 
to do so. That's what love does. Not just the fact that I know it, not just the fact that I, I, well, I really should, I should share my faith or I should, you know, go ahead and speak up in class when somebody puts down God or something. I should, I should say, I believe in God. He's changed my life. I, I, I know I should do that stuff, but, but I'm afraid love, what does love do? It conquers fear, doesn't it? It'll make me unashamed of Christ. I, I, I hope... I hope they don't mind me uh, saying this, but Brad and Sandy Lane were very gracious to take uh, Cindy and me uh, to a very nice restaurant uh, last week here in Raleigh. And, and everything, everything was fabulous. I mean, it, it really was good. And, uh, but this restaurant serves uh, French onion soup. And, and Cindy and I both love French onion soup. But they serve French onion soup, and they are famous for their French onion soup. It, it, it's, it's reportedly the best French onion soup in Raleigh. And one of the things that makes their French onion soup different, have I said French onion soup enough? (laughs) One of the things that makes their French onion soup different is the fact instead of, not that I'm a cooking expert, you understand, that's just what I was told, uh, that instead of using a uh, beef-based broth, it's hard to say, a beef-based broth, they use a venison-based broth, and it is delicious. It's, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I really, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And so I have no problem. I am happy to talk to anybody about this fantastic French onion soup that I have and at this, this wonderful restaurant that I had it at. Why wouldn't I? I loved it. Why wouldn't I talk about it? You, you get it? You see? Listen, that's not even agape kind of love, right? And still, I, I'm more than ready and willing to talk about it. It's the same about a, a, a movie that we loved or a television show that's our favorite television show, Right? A song that we hear, an app that we got on our phone, a, a new video game, a person that, that we feel strongly. We, you, you just, it is our passion for that thing, that person that moves us to say, man, let me, let me tell you about this. I'm happy to tell you about this, right? Let me ask you a question. Why wouldn't we do the same thing for Jesus Christ? You understand what he's saying? He says that it, I'm, I'm going to be unashamed of him because of this love that's come in and, and is operating in me. And I'm overwhelmed by this love that he expresses to me. Now listen, I know not every situation, not every conversation lends itself to, you know, sharing a testimony or sharing about Christ. I, I understand that. But there ought to at least be within us developing this idea of, of being unashamed of Christ and, and being willing to share and wanting to share because I love him. Because I understand how much he loves me and what he's done. But why wouldn't I, why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't I want to talk about that? It makes me unashamed of Christ. Love, love will do that. Here's a, a second idea. Love makes me love like Christ. He's already been hitting on this some. But look what he says. And read it again in verse 16. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. Let me read that again. The one who abides in love abides in God. And God, say it, abides in him. I have known people. You have known people who have the ability to, uh, to demonstrate agape. Remember, that we defined it last week. Sacrificial, other person focused love, Right? I have known people who have the ability to agape love at a particular moment or time in their life, and they may not necessarily have been a follower of Jesus Christ. For instance, more than 
than a few soldiers have been willing to and have literally laid down their life for another soldier. Jumping on a grenade, taking a bullet, intend it for someone else, right? A police officer, a firefighter. There have, have and are individuals who might display agape kind of love, sacrificial kind of love, and yet not necessarily be a follower of Jesus Christ. It can be demonstrated. The difference, I think, the difference should be for a follower of Jesus Christ is, is, this, is this little phrase he puts in here, the one who abides in love. It is the ability to abide in this love. What does it mean to abide in something? To stay in it, to live in it, to exist in it, to abide in this love. That, that becomes this, this key, if you will, to allowing me to love as Christ loved. That's, that's what agape love does to me. It changes me and allows me to begin to love. It allows me to begin to abide in that love. There's not a person here that would claim to get it right all the time. I, I don't think there'd be anybody here that would claim that. It's not a person here that would claim to get it right all the time. We don't. We are being perfected. We are this work in process. That's for sure. But if we are if we are short, if we're angry, if we're antagonistic, if we're uncaring, if we're incompassionate, if, we, uh, if, 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 we're, if we're like that, we're certainly not being like Christ. I can't imagine Christ being that way to someone. Can you? No, it's this idea of abiding, living in the reality of this love and how it affects my life and therefore is able to affect other people's lives. You see, Christ-like love is making it possible for me to love like Christ. That's what it does. Okay. Uh, third idea this morning. Love makes me fearless before Christ. Remember, John's describing. All right, here's, here's, here's some characteristics. So you're going to see this. This is what this love is going to do to you. There's three ways it's going to change you. And this third way is love makes me fearless before Christ. Uh, pick it up in verse uh, 17. Love is made perfect in us. When we are not ashamed as we stand before him on the day he judges. You, you do realize that there is that day coming, right? The writer of Hebrews is appointed unto man, mankind, to die once and after that, the judgment. Now, it's, it's different for believers and non-believers, but it's that idea that someday I will stand or more appropriately kneel before the creator of the universe. For we know that our life in this world is his life lived in us. That's the purpose when we come to Christ. It's, it's supposed to be him living out through us. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Look at the context he's talking about it with. Perfect love puts fear out of our hearts. People have fear when they're afraid of being punished. The man who is afraid does not have perfect love. Fearless, when I say that love causes us to be fearless for Christ, that does not mean that it causes us to be arrogant. It does not cause us to be uh, uh, puffed up. It does, ca- does not cause us to be prideful and in some way think that we have earned the right or deserve to be in God's presence. No, but fearless because I know what the perfect, precious, powerful blood of Jesus Christ has done. It has cleansed me from my sin. I, I'm, I'm regarded as in his righteousness, right? Right? 
I'm, I'm regarded as in his, I just did that to wake y'all up. If y'all, I'm, I'm regarded as in his righteousness because of, because of sacrifice that he made. And so I don't have to be afraid when I stand before God someday. And listen, here's what he says. The love, the love that's in me, this agape love that's in me is therefore changing me and it's causing me to love people that I wouldn't normally love or be able to love in the way that I'm loving them or to express it or to sacrifice for myself in order to love them. It's, a, it's making it possible for me to do that. And John says, there it is. There's your evidence that this agape love is real in you. There's this evidence that God has changed you and that you've been redeemed. And therefore, what are you afraid of? You're going to get to kneel before your Savior with complete confidence, not in yourself, God forbid, if I had to do it in myself, but in complete confidence of what he has done for you and the love that has come into you and then therefore comes out of you becomes the very evidence that the change has taken place. Do you understand? Fearless. Listen, as a pastor, I have... I've had the opportunity to be at the bedside of a number of people as they passed away. And I can tell you from absolute personal experience that there is a marked, there is a distinct difference between the person who passes away having lived their life to honor God, know God, serve God, love God, and the person who is not. I'm telling you, there is a distinct difference. I have been with people who who were looking forward to death as the day drew near. I've known people who have embraced death as it came near to them because they were so ready to go and be with their Savior, having loved Him, having come to know Him, having sought to serve Him all of their life, that when death was approaching, when death was coming, they, they were at perfect and complete peace. Listen, I don't know, you can't put a price tag on that. Can I tell you? When, you're, when your heart gets ready to beat its last beat and you're about to step out into eternity, the idea that you can be at perfect and complete peace knowing exactly what's going to happen to you and where you're going to go because of this love that's come into you, And I have seen people absolutely, totally, completely terrified at the thought of death. At the uncertainty of what was about to happen to them when they stepped across the line, when they stepped over the veil. John says, listen, if his agape love has come into you, it's got to change you. And if it's changing you, and if it's making you uh, agape love other people, there's your evidence that, that, that it's real and that it's changing you. And therefore, as a result of that, you don't have to fear at all. The only person that fears are the people that are fearing punishment. And if you know Christ as your Savior, if you know Christ as your Savior, punishment is not in the vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad y'all didn't miss that opportunity. Amen, because that's a really good one. Okay, here we go. Let me go. Let's look at one more idea. Love is revealing the real person. That's what love does, verse 19 through 21, right? Love's revealing the real person. Say to the person next to you, love's revealing the real person. I'm just trying to keep you all, I know it's hot. I know it's easy to, to uh, go off into a daze. When I was in seminary, uh, Paige Patterson was the president of Southeast Seminary when I was there. And Dr. Patterson had this, uh, like this rule in the chapel, you know, had chapel three days a week and all the students required to go to chapel, supposed to go to chapel. And uh, he would keep it absolutely arctic cold in there. Arctic cold, right, baby? I mean, it was, for, women would come in, you know, like in full parkas and everything else. Um, because it was his belief that, that uh, you, when it gets hot, you're like, uh, right? Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, 
But when it's cold, you can't go to sleep when it's cold, man. You're like, oh, like, uh, uh, uh. some are like, yeah, I, I could stand a little bit of that right now. I know, I know. Okay, here we, here we go. Verse 19. Watch this. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, what is that next word? I can't, oh, whoosh, yeesh. He's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. Do you hear, do you hear the rational argument in that? John, if John were here, John would say, well, that's just stupid. How can you say you love God? And you love this, this, this child of God. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. John says that this love is revealing the real person. John comes back to a theme that he has hit several times throughout 1 John, and that is to give us these tests for how you can know that you're in a relationship with the living God, how you can know this thing is real. It's not just intellectual knowledge, or it's not just some emotional experience that you had. He's given us another test, how you can know that it's real and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, there's no way, so you better understand, there's no way you could love this yourself. This love is from God. If you've got this love, it's from God. It didn't come from you. This, that's, 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 uh, it's just typical John fashion. He doesn't, he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't try and ease into it. He, he just puts it out there. He says, you got this love? It didn't come from you. You better understand that. That came from God. And then, and then John just says it. He just says it in verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's simply impossible, he says, to do that. Listen, I'm convinced. I, I, to, uh, I think I told Jason this the other day. That I'm convinced. I'm convinced. And I, I can be guilty of this too. I'm convinced that y'all, us, the body of Christ. You ready? We, philos, love each other. If you were here last week, remember what that means. We, philos, love each other. We, 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 we think kindly of each other. We're fond of each other. Most of the people in this room, you don't mind being around. But they're, they're, they're a good person. Yeah, I, I like them. Yeah, I, I really love them. We philos love them. And listen, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's not that that's a bad thing. It's just not enough. You are called to agape, sacrificial love. God-like love. The person beside you, the person on the other side of the auditorium that you may not know that well, even that believer on the other side of the world that you've never even met that needs you to come alongside of them and display your love to them, to love like that. That's what we're called to do. And, and just so we're all clear here, it's not a suggestion. It's, there's not a third option, right? Well, I like them. I like that person. He's <laughs> not left us that option. Verse 21, he says... Uh, Verse 21, he says, verse 21, he says, and this commandment, this commandment, do I need to define commandment? Or y'all pretty clear on that? Yeah, pretty clear on commandment? Are y'all pretty clear on commandment? I'm getting nothing from y'all, getting nothing from (laughs) y'all. Y'all pretty clear on commandment? (laughs) It's not enough. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Well, I, I don't hate them. Not an option. Agape, love them. It's revealing the real person. 
That's what it's doing. And this commandment we have from him, that we love, that the one who loves God should also love his brother. Now, I've spent a lot of time trying to find agape love. I think you know, right? But listen, here's the deal. John's not saying our theology shouldn't be right. Of course it should be. Our theology ought to be right. He's not saying we shouldn't live holy, godly lives, uh, the kind of lives that God would desire for us to love, uh, live. Of course we should. But what John is saying is that without love, it, doesn't, it means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. Do you understand? Religiosity is not the standard. If it was, man, the Pharisees are like waiting for a vacancy in the Trinity. I mean, they're like, they're like up there, man, Right? Because Pharisees, they, they worked hard, and the other religious leaders in Jesus' day, they worked hard to keep the law and all the other do's and don'ts that they had added to the mix. They were in the synagogue every time the doors were open, right? As I understand it, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact, but as, as, I've, as I've been told, Pharisees gave a minimum of 15% of their income back to God. I know. They studied the Word of God. They prayed. And they were as lost as a ball in high weeds. Why? Because they didn't love. They didn't love. They could, they could give you chapter and verse, but they couldn't give you love. Because they'd never experienced the love themselves. Do you understand? They'd never experienced that love themselves in their life. This love that changes us. It's changing my person. Maybe you've read this before. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I may be able to speak the language of men and even of angels, but if I do not have love, it will sound like noisy brass. If I have the gift of speaking God's word, and if I understand all secrets but do not have love, I am nothing. If I know all things, and if I have the gift of faith so I can move mountains but do not have love, I am, say it, nothing. If I give everything I have to feed the poor people, and if I give my body to be burned but do not have love, it will not help me. Listen to this. Think about this in the context of agape loving. The people around you, the other people that profess to be believers. The, 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 your, your spouse, your, uh, your, your brother in Christ, this person in the church. Or, think, think of it in these terms. Listen to this. Love does not give up. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not put itself up as being more important. As being important. Love has no pride. Love does not do the wrong thing. Love never thinks of itself. That's so hard. Love does not get angry. Love does not remember the suffering that comes from being hurt by someone. Love is not happy with sin. Love is happy with the truth. Love takes everything that comes without giving up. Love believes all things. Love hopes for all things. Love keeps on in all things. Love never comes to an end. And now we have these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. This is probably the only place in Scripture that talks more about love than than John does in 1 John chapter 4. As you could probably guess, the the Greek word that is used for love in 1 Corinthians 13, just like in 1 John chapter 4, every time is agape, God kind of sacrificial, thinking of the other person, not based on how they, what they do for me or don't do for me, that kind of love. That's what it is. And that's the call on our lives. We don't get it right all the time. 
You might get ticked off at me. I might not understand why you did this. You might hurt me. I might hurt you. There's hurt feelings. Well, I can just go down the street. They got a, there's another church right down there. Yeah, but it won't be love. I mean, there are reasons to leave a church. I mean, there's some theological reasons to leave a church. I'm just saying that, that this thing ought to go beyond kindness. Or I, I really like that person. Yeah? Would you sacrifice you for them? Would you give of yourself? If they had a need, would you be willing to meet it? Listen, when, when we get it right, when we get that kind of love right, God is glorified, the body is, is enriched, and the world is jealous. I'm telling you, the world is jealous of that kind of love that's not based on what they did or didn't do for me, right? And that's the love that you and I are called to. If you've experienced agape love in your life, then you have that agape love in you and God wants you, it to come out of you through the power of His Spirit to change and affect other people's lives and to enrich the body of Christ. So, I'll, I'll ask this as I close. I asked it last week, I'll ask it again. Do you agape love the body of Christ as God commands you to? Love. As we've heard today, the world defines love based on what we know about a person, how we feel about them, and what they do for us. God delivered a radically different love at the cross. If we've come to experience that love in our hearts and lives, then the calling is clear. We are to love the way God loves, not the way the world loves. As we heard Pastor Clay say today, it isn't easy. In fact, it's impossible without the Spirit of God working in us. Have you experienced God's love? We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, discovering how to really live in the promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross.
A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.